Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won. Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing high five casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! <laughs> I won again. I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High five casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High five casino. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. I am Ben, and I'm not just welcoming you back, folks. I'm also welcoming back our super producer, Max Williams, who is on Adventures, and my co-host, Mr. Noel Brown, who was also on Adventures. You guys were sorely, sorely missed. Thank you so much for returning. I didn't know if you guys were just going to, like, start a new show somewhere. Ben, we wouldn't leave you hanging like that, dude. Friends don't do that to friends. I was totally going to do that, but I uh, ran out of money, so I came back. Well, you're no friend of ours, Max <laughs> Williams. Well, I leave and you get my brother to replace me? No, no, he no. didn't. Re- he, no, was, first off, there was no replacing. He didn't fill in as producer. Uh, uh, true, yeah. No, Noel and I talked through the 12 friends that we have. And mm-hmm. we and of those 12, we uh, made a list of the five who might do our show with this and of the two who replied alex was available that's an important qualification for guest hosting ridiculous history is being someone we know and available <laughs> right right uh so it's basically like nobel prize standards you know when you think mm. of it that way it's prestigious is what we're saying both of those are prestigious institutions more like ig nobel prize yeah. yes yes which is a thing and no saved this one for you, man, because we are going to talk about something that a lot of people this time of year consider a prestigious institution all its own, the idea of the haunted house, the idea of the recreational haunted house, not Amityville style, but the one where you like pay. And it seems like they get more expensive every year here in Atlanta, but like you pay for tickets and you go to what's the one we have? Netherworld. Mm-hmm. Netherworld. I have a confession to make fellas. Hmm. I uh, have never been to a haunted house because I'm scared of them. Uh, it's okay, man. I'll go. With I don't you like. If you I want. don't. I don't like jump scares. Yeah. I don't like. Uh, I don't like spooky stuff in the dark. Mm-hmm. I like horror movies, but I often spoil them for myself in advance of watching them, so they don't. Uh, they don't quite spook me as much. Uh, I'm a bit of a wimp, fellas. Bit of a wimp. Nah, you just know what you like and what you don't like, you know? That's true. Thank you, Ben. I appreciate that. I'm not beating myself up. I definitely accept this by myself. But my daughter is now getting to an age where she's intrigued by the things. And I'm going to have to bite the bullet, guys, and uh, and, and go and get get properly spooked. Because I'm not going to wait outside while my 12-year-old daughter goes in. (laughs) Uh, It's just uh, I can't emasculate myself to that degree. Uh, no, sir. But it turns out that the history of these things as attractions is very interesting and is wrapped up in the history of Halloween as we know it uh, itself. Yeah. Yeah. Like, OK, so my objection to haunted houses recently has been entirely due to the cost. But I will take a bath on that and I'll buy a ticket if if you need or if you want someone to to come with you and jump in front of the jump scares. Uh <laughs> Well, as long as, as, long as you'll, uh, as, as long as you'll hold my hand. 
Of course, of course. Oh, it man, excuse the whole dream, bro. It's very, very kind of you, Ben. Um, but no, it's, I love Halloween. I love yeah. the spooky season. I, mm-hmm. We all do. I love the weather, uh, the way it, you know, uh, it feels outside and the smells and you know all of the costumes and the, everything, every, all, everything around it. I, I absolutely mm-hmm. love it. So it's sort of shocking to me that I have this phobia. So I'm going to try to face my fears this year. But yeah, I mean, I don't know, Ben, have you ever, uh, have you ever made good on the trick part of trick or treat? Let's see. I think the statute of limitations has passed. So yes, to an extreme degree. You guys know I believe in justice. And I have, at times, my own interpretation of it. I'm very naturally a Halloween person. Uh, Folks, there's an audio show. You can't see it now. But uh, over the course of the pandemic, I have acquired as a roommate a life-size skeleton, which is in the background of all our Mm -hmm. Zoom calls. But but yeah, uh, yeah, trick... Trick or treat. This is interesting because it helps us understand that haunted houses as a recreation are a relatively recent idea. If we traveled back to, say, 1200 AD and Max, Noel, and I were trying to sell people in some village on the idea of not just going to a haunted location, but paying for the privilege, they would think yeah. we were crazy. And yeah, they, they, they may well burn us as witches. Oh, yeah. Yes, it didn't take much. It did not take much. But uh, this story really starts back in the Great Depression, which still is a terrible name. Yeah, it is. It wasn't so great. Um, also, uh, Black Tuesday um, is uh, the name of the day that the stock market crashed. And there was also a corresponding Black Halloween during the Great Depression. And that was the day when so much uh, trickery was afoot that, like, I think people died. There were hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars of property damage. Uh, and this was a real problem in those days because um, there was a whole night, uh, mischief night, which I believe is the night before for Halloween uh, that was purely devoted to just like pranking and, you know, cutting up and doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, Lots of one-upsmanship that ultimately leads to, you know, putting people in danger and uh, some serious property damage and destruction. Yes. Yeah. You're referring to what's also called Devil's Night. Uh, And Devil's Night has led to some serious chaos, stuff way beyond toilet paper or the throwing of eggs. Uh, We know that Parents were very concerned about their kids, especially their sons, getting too wild on these days or during this time leading up to the 31st. And so they picked up a strategy to try to distract these kids. Noel, maybe we talk a little bit about the origins of the haunted house overall, like the origins of it date back to 19th century London, the 1800s, and they were a kind of, they were a a kind, they were kind of a genre of a Mm -hmm. larger movement of macabre entertainment, like Madame Tussaud and so on. Absolutely. In 1802, in London, Marie Tussaud um, created quite a stir with the, uh, you know, uptight stuffed shirt British population when she displayed these wax sculptures of various decapitated French individuals. Uh, And they were so accurate because she actually created death masks from folks who were decapitated at the guillotine during the French Revolution. And she set up this exhibit in London. It became a permanent exhibit. She dubbed this attraction the Chamber of Horrors, which we know is a almost like a tropey kind of name now that's like, you know, been used to death, pun intended or, or not. I'm not even sure anymore. But yeah, it's a name that still uh, is tied to a particular wing of, of that wax museum um, today. And oftentimes if you go to Madame Tussauds wax museums across the country or around the world, even there'll be, you know, the celebrity part, but then there'll be like a section where it's a little bit more like serial killers and, you know, Mm -hmm. like um, uh, murdered people and things like that. But it wasn't until the turn of the 20th century um, that a um, kind of theater of the macabre sort of popped up um, in Paris, actually. Yes, Grand Guignol. This this is amazing because they were at the time notorious for onstage depictions of real body horror, uh, real mm-hmm. splatter punk stuff, you might call it today. The theater's director, and this is described by 
Rebecca McKendry and Fangoria magazine. All horror fans will know Fangoria. Uh, oh, yeah. The, the director, a guy named Max Maury, once bragged that he judged performances not so much by ticket sales as by how many people passed out from shock in the audience uh, or from schlock, you could say. This is a, a cool piece. I found out about activities like this in Interview with a Vampire, the film adaptation. You guys remember how there is this theater that is doing like a play about vampirism and the devil, but it, it turns out that they are actually grabbing uh, humans and drinking their blood. Right. Isn't that Antonio Banderas's character? Um, isn't that scene? Yeah, he's in there. Been a while. Yeah, I, think, I think that's right. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they definitely had like all kinds of um, revolutionary kind of stage effects that they sort sure. of created, like uh, knives that would squirt, you know, fake blood, and like, you know, they would use like cow intestines or pig entrails to simulate, you know, humans being disemboweled. Uh, th there were also those some versions of it that were a little more um, stylized, kind of, where, you know, you would slit somebody's throat, and then just like red ribbons would just shoot out. And it's a really cool kind of um, low-tech effect that I, I, you actually still see sometimes in uh, depictions of this kind of theater. But it was largely kind of a revolt against, like, you know, the status quo and against censorship and stuff. And it really was, at the time, some of the most kind of edgy, dangerous, you know, theater that, that anyone had ever seen. Yes, and theater should be an act of revolution. Uh, that's <laughs> at least that's what uh, that's always been my take. Uh, there's a great description of this theater from Devin Faraci over at Birth Movies Death, which is a fantastic website. Oh, yeah. uh, and they, they point out something I didn't know, which is the Grand Guignol Theater is technically the home of the first scream queen, Paula Maxa. Uh, she died on stage like. 30,000 times. Check out that article if you have a second. It goes in a different direction, but that's like, that's a haunted house vibe for sure, even if it was uh, clearly a, a theatrical production. Uh, if you fast forward a little bit further, in 1915, there's this fairground in Liphook in England that debuted what they called a ghost house. This was one of the first if not the first, this was one of the first kind of commercial horror attractions. They had all this stuff that, Noel, you're not particularly into with haunted houses, dim lights, shaking floors, demonic screams, Max. We get, yeah, just like that. Just like that. <laughs> my blood, my blood hath curdled, y'all. Yes. And highly recommend A Brief History of the Haunted House by Chris Heller from uh, Smithsonian Magazine, which is one of the sources we used for this episode. Um, so yeah, that would have been very much one of the earliest uh, examples of a haunted house attraction. Uh, very, very lo-fi, but at the time would have really freaked people out. I'm sure if I had been around in this time, I would have been just as hesitant to go into these as I am to go into our more high-tech haunted houses today, which we are about to get to in the form of the early 20th century. The following is a high-five moment from HighFiveCasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won! Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing High Five Casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! <laughs> I won again! I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your High Five moment today? Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. 
Be brave in your skin. With Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash, cover your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. Olay Body is a proud sponsor and supporter of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride, raising funds and support for the LGBTQ plus community. Olay Body wants you to feel empowered to live with confidence in your own skin, not just all month, but all year long. And when you feel the best in your skin, you can do anything. So this pride glow with confidence with the help of Olay Body. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride! I do also want to put in my line before before we roll past this. I want to put in my line for those early haunted houses. Terror for a tuppence. I'm just going to write oh, yes. these mottos for uh, for <laughs> institutions of it. yesteryear. I love so, it. A tuppence. That's like a, what is that? Like a penny farthing? Like a hay, a hay, a, a hay penny? Some sort, <laughs> of, some sort of negligible denomination of British currency. Yes. But the state of Halloween, like you were saying, this, yeah. these things didn't exist in the U.S., they started in Western Europe first, and the idea of Halloween, like we explored years back in the origins of Halloween on Stuff They Don't Want You to Know, YouTube and audio version available now wherever you find your favorite shows, uh, Halloween, that the way it came to the U.S. is fascinating because we've got Irish and Scottish immigrants bringing a traditional Celtic end-of-summer festival to totally. this new land. And and if you want to sound smart in front of your friends, or at the very least not sound dumb, it's not pronounced Samhain. It's pronounced Samhain. Samhain, that's and correct. When you see it printed, though, it looks like Samhain. Wasn't that the name for the uh, traditional Celtic kind of proto-Halloween celebration? I think, uh, I think Samhain is a Gaelic festival that's also the end of the harvest season, though. So it, it, it's... Supposed to be, I think, technically held on the first of November, but the party starts on October thirty first. Mm-hmm. They're Got still it. really, they're still very, I think, closely re- related in the modern secular imagination of the West. I mean, it was also what Halloween turned into All Saints Day or All Hallows Eve, and by the time we get to the turn of the century in the U.S. Halloween has taken the path that so many holidays take in this country. It's become an excuse to party, to break some social taboos, to get a little soused and saucy, uh, to eat too much of something, to make mischief, to pursue Mm -hmm. your vices. It was way less, you know, rambunctious, oh, these kids kind of pranks, right? We're not talking about just festooning a tree with toilet paper or, um, did you ever do the one? I, you know, I didn't mean to be rude. I forgot to ask you. Noel, were you a trickster in your day? No, sir. I was a good young lad. Okay. Well, the statute of limitations I, I, is passed. Uh, I, I don't believe I ever played a trick in my life. Not a day in my life. Which probably means I haven't really lived, to be honest. But scared of haunted houses and uh, a rule follower. That's that's me. A real stick in the mud over here. But yeah, they uh, they didn't have trick-or-treating because as we're going to get to trick-or-treating is a much more modern uh, invention than I think either of us realized but what they did have was dressing up in these horrifying costumes frankly if you look at the uh like uh, you know historical photos of the time they're these like blank stare kind of like death masks um that just look like they're made of burlap sacks like something like a like a like a movie slasher would wear you know uh they called this tradition geising and they would you know wear these bizarre masks and like you know dance and make merry like you're saying mm-hmm. and common halloween tricks in the u.s these days were things like taking somebody's wagon and maybe even their livestock and putting them on the roof of a barn or tearing vegetables out of gardens or tipping over outhouses, whether whether or not someone was in them, then also allowing like livestock to escape. And this happened so often that in some regions we find October 31st was known as gate night because people would remove gates across their communities. 
this is all, these things were happening before the automobile became very prevalent. And when the automobile kicked in and people were able to afford to drive, the range of their trickery likewise extended. We're seeing people removing manhole covers from streets or busting tires or even making fake signs to confuse motorists and lead them astray. So there's a great book to we should recommend by Lisa Morton. It's called Trick or Treat, A History of Halloween. It is a fantastic read. And Morton says that at first, these pranks were more or less innocent, and they often occurred in more rural communities. But then as cities got bigger, kids took the pranking into cities, and it became more and more destructive. What kind of stuff are we talking about when we say more and more destructive? Oh, I don't know, like sawing down telephone poles and utility poles and things like that. Disassembling people's like wagons and vehicles even and like putting them on roofs and putting them back together, which I thought was a pretty awesome one. Very, very, uh, oh, so, so much effort that goes into these. Um, one of the scariest ones involved like placing obstructions like really dangerous obstructions and roadways and covering them up with leaves uh, which actually led to uh, a significant uh, traffic pileup yeah setting fires breaking windows uh, splattering people with bags of flour filled with ashes uh, at least it wasn't anthrax yeah yeah it was before then Things really hit a tipping point in 1879 when about 200 young men, boys really, in Kentucky, team up to stop a train by laying an actual dead body, an actual corpse, across the tracks. And then people start stealing bodies, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As med students, we know how to party. In 1900, some medical students from the University of Michigan stole a headless corpse from an anatomy lab, uh, and they propped it up against the front door of the building. Gave people a real shock when they showed up to class. And as I was sort of hinting at earlier, things really did start to get super real in around 1902 when, when things just went too far, as these kinds of things tend to do. It's all about one-upsmanship and kind of trying to like outdo everybody else's pranks. And, and eventually you cross the line into the danger zone. There was uh, a ton of destruction in uh, Cook County in 1902. Um, and the Cook County Herald had a very interesting little kind of um, editorial, I guess, uh, encouraging people to defend themselves from this kind of mischief. Um, here's a quote. This is in Arlington Heights, Illinois, by the way. Most everybody enjoys a joke or fun to a proper degree on suitable occasions. But when property is damaged or destroyed, it is time to call a halt. We would advise the public to load their muskets or cannon with rock salt or birdshot. And when trespassers invade their premises at unseemly hours upon mischief bent, pepper them good and proper so they will be effectually cured and have no further taste for such tricks. Oh, they yeah. knew how to turn a phrase back then. Newspaper yeah. folk. Oh. You have either of you guys ever been shot with rock salt? No, but I've seen it in movies and it looks very yeah, unpleasant. I mean, Max, I bet pleasant. you. No. Okay. Yeah. Well, as someone speaking from personal experience, it is oh, wow. not pleasant. It's still dangerous. And people did take this advice as the as the discourse turned toward self-defense in this regard. Some folks were taking up arms. In fact, in 1907, the, some kids had stretched a wire across a sidewalk to trip pedestrians in Tucson, Arizona. One guy tripped, and when he fell on the ground, from the ground, he took out his firearm, a revolver, and he shot one of the pranksters dead. And then a woman in Indiana in Logansport was scared to death, literally. Her heart stopped after her daughter answered, uh, you know, uh, on the door. and. She screamed because a group of boys had a like a jack-o'-lantern and were just like, Whoa! and put it in front of her. And she, you know, that sounds like a normal jump scare, but she must have had a pre-existing heart condition. Again, uh, these just keep going. A guy lo- almost loses his eyesight in 1932. A girl nearly loses her arm after being hit with stones in 39. Jeez. Yeah, there were kids in Fairfax County, Virginia in 1929 who were setting off dynamite 
on like on their school grounds. They were causing yeah. traffic accidents and stuff. Now, not not cherry bombs or like black cats. No. Dynamite. Dynamite. That's insane. Like we know miners. We can work. We're miners who know miners. We can use dynamite. And mm-hmm. then this is where we get to the Black Halloween of 1933. Because before the Great Depression, there were a lot of people who were like, you know, to quote Biden, they were like, this is malarkey. Uh, but the economic disaster created this period of widespread social unrest on a profound level that a lot of people hadn't experienced before. And this made, arguably, it made the kids a little bit wilder with their antics, but also the public was responding. They had had it up to here with so many things by this point. And this is where we get to what you were alluding to earlier, Noel, in 1933, where people were flipping over cars, sawing down telephone poles, and just breaking stuff the way a 1980s rock band would destroy hotel rooms. And America was like, we're not your hotel room, you whippersnappers. No, we're not. Get off uh, our collective lawn. Um, And, you know, it's the Great Depression, so it's not like they had any money to fix this stuff. Like, uh, talk about, talk about, uh, let's see, what's a polite way of saying this? Um, Taking a crap where you eat. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and then not being able to clean it up. I'm sorry, that's the disgusting metaphor, but it, it holds. I mean, this is very short-sighted. You know, this is literally, you know, doing damage to infrastructure at a time where money was in absolute, the shortest possible supply. So, it, you know, they didn't exactly outlaw Halloween, but something had to give. But thankfully, um, you know, a lot of the cities realized uh, that prohibition doesn't really work, largely probably because of lessons learned from, you know, that actual prohibition thing where they, uh, you know, wouldn't let people drink booze. And so they just, you know, made it themselves and, and had illegal speakeasies and all that. This was probably right around the time that prohibition was was beginning to uh, completely unravel and, and it, was, it was about to be reversed. Um, so instead of, you know, outlawing Halloween outright, they decided that maybe we can uh, pay these kids off, uh, so to speak, or at least give them something else to funnel their you know, rambunctious energy into. Yeah, they they came up with, uh, it's almost, it's very similar to the idea of an after-school program, but for Halloween, yeah. they said, look, we don't have, we, we want to distract these kids. We want to give them something different and less destructive to do. Maybe we could throw a party, but they looked around and said, you know, unless we're the 1% that has extracted all the value out of American society, we can't, own we we don't have the scratch to throw a party so we're going to have what we'll call house to house parties the entire block chips in to do whatever they can so if you're if you're a uh, would be prankster you go to the first house you get a costume maybe it's it's some simple usually it's like a sheet boom you're a ghost next house gives you some candy that's cool and then uh this sounds a lot like trick-or-treating as lisa morton points out and that's where the idea comes from it comes from the idea of these house-to-house parties because not only were the children given a purpose given a series of tasks that would keep them from flipping over cars but they were also going to be more easy to monitor because you know which houses they're going to and you know you kind of know their route uh, so this is this is where Morton busts a myth that I think a lot of people believe in. Uh, she says one of the most common misconceptions about Halloween is the trick-or-treating is some ancient ritual that goes back thousands of years. But she confirms it really is less than a hundred years old. Uh, and if you when you get to the end, right, the the end of your house-to-house route, you'll see a haunted house situation set up kind of in the basement. And and this is, people are familiar with this, I'm sure. You take the kids down the stairs. It's very, very dark. And then you would play that game that some people might be familiar with where you, you get a story and you're like passing around bowls of something in the dark and one of them's peeled grapes and they're like, and these eyes. Oh, what's this? I think it's human brains. It's, you know, like spaghetti or something. A lot of weird uses of food. Some of this stuff sounds very unsanitary. Like, apparently, uh, walls would be hung with strips of raw liver that you would, like, feel as you, you know, stumbles your way through the dark. Classic Max Um, Williams. 
Classic total. Yeah. What a prankster <laughs> that guy is. His raw liver, the old raw liver trick. Um, but yeah, there, you know, there'd be like weird sounds and moans and howls and scream. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a lot of, a lot of very DIY solutions here. Oh, Damp yeah. sponges and hairnets. Yeah. Apparently hanging from the ceiling. I'm picturing like, oh, get it off me. Get it. Oh, it's a, oh, it's a, it's a gross Jump damp scares. sponge. Yeah, like definitely some, jump scares. Someone's dressed as a dog, and then they jump out, and they're barking. This happened to me, and I was so impressed. I was a kid, and I was trick-or-treating one time uh, where it looked like someone had the the safe kind of like – a lot of parents don't want to go spooky, so they go with a fall theme, and you got like some hay bales, some squash, some pumpkins, or what have you. This one had that, and it had like a scarecrow by the door, and there was a little dish that said, honor system – just take one. And so he walked up and was going to take one. And then the scarecrow moved and ran at us. It grabbed a kid and I turned around and tried to fight it. And then, and then the guy told me to calm down and I was like, you're not cool. No touching. You know, that's the rules. I, I even know that. You know, having never been to a haunted house, you're definitely not supposed to touch. But the other kids Uh, all ran. The yeah. other kids all well, ran except me. I was the only one who tried to help that other kid. Jeez. I'm proud of you, Ben. Yeah. I'm proud of you. Well, I'm always chipping in and helping out the little guy. Totally. Screw that scarecrow. He, he's a man of the people. Nah, man, that would have pissed me off to no end. I would have been like, nope, Halloween is canceled. I'm going home. <laughs> right. um, and then they would, you know, have little lo-fi kind of effects like a cats painted on cardboard outlined in um, glow-in-the-dark paint, which is a thing. And this also created a sense of community, right? Yeah. Getting to know your neighbors and all of that sure. in the same way that, uh, that, that modern trick-or-treating does. The following is a high-five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won! Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing High Five Casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! I won again! I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. Be brave in your skin. With Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash, cover your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. Olay Body is a proud sponsor and supporter of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride, raising funds and support for the LGBTQ plus community. Olay Body wants you to feel empowered to live with confidence in your own skin, not just all month, but all year long. And when you feel the best in your skin, you can do anything. So this pride glow with confidence with the help of Olay Body. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride! And so with this stage set, we see that the story of early haunted houses in the U.S. is a story of these small kind of nonprofit affairs. They're community based. You know, you probably later know everybody who was involved in the creation of it. And that's that's kind of inspiring. How did we get from there to these massive productions that cost, you know, as much as 50 bucks a ticket in some cases. Well, it's because in part of a civic group called the Junior Chamber, also known as the JCs. I 
I owe a lot to these folks, or my childhood does, because they're the creators of something called Trails of Terror. If you Mm -hmm. have grown up in the South, you might be familiar with something some religious organizations do called Tribulation Trail. You guys ever heard of that one? Not that one specifically, but we're going to get to it. I have been to one of these things called Hell Houses, where they um, essentially use spooky Halloween tactics to, you know, teach a lesson about indoctrinate you and, you know, save your mortal soul or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. I I also when I think of this um, uh, trails of terror, uh, the closest analog that I have um, growing up was those things like a haunted hayride, you know, where you'd like be in the back of a truck and going through this like hay field or whatever. And there'd be like spooky stuff popping out as you go. Yeah, I, I would love to hear if other people have experienced things like Tribulation Trail. Um, the ones I saw were very well done, objectively, and they were you were walking through the Book of Revelations. And all the if Fine. you read the Book of Revelations, there's a lot of trippy psychedelic stuff in there, and they're very creative. I would say Grand Guignol level creative with depicting cool. these things. And I was like, how do you how do you get all these burning cars? How much Money is this church putting into this? Oh, that's funny you say that, Ben. The the one hell house thing that I went to had uh, out out front just just show people where it was a, uh, a a totally demolished car, presumably from a drunk driving accident. That was part of the theme of that particular uh, hell house. So now organizations have stepped in, and it becomes something kind of like it becomes a social attraction, sometimes a fundraiser, sometimes just a, a straight up business to make some cash for the organization. But it's still not a cultural icon. It's still kind of like how local community centers might have a pancake breakfast or something. It wasn't until the one and only Walt Disney decided to build a haunted house that it became a cultural icon. This is Disneyland's Haunted Mansion, opened in 1969, almost 20 years after inception of the idea. It took a long mm-hmm. time. And uh, our our uh, good friend, friend of the show, Holly Fry, from Stuff You Missed in History class, has single-handedly, I think, supported this institution for a number of years. Oh, yeah. She and her husband go to Disneyland uh, and Disney World like multiple times a year. But she is also uh, a avid um, haunted mansion and just the whole Disney imagineering kind of world uh, historian. And back when I was the producer for Stuff You Missed in History class many years ago, she interviewed uh, the expert, the the expert in the field of Imagineering, who had just come out with a book on the Haunted Mansion because it really was kind of this flagship attraction. Like you said, it was, you know, 20 years in the making. Um, And that's because it almost needed, you know, like many of the things that the Disney company did, they had to create the technology to to do the things, to pull off the things they wanted to pull off. And one of the uh, neat tricks that they used for the Haunted Mansion was something called Pepper's Ghost, which creates these super complex illusions that almost uh, really stand alongside something like a hologram today. It uses refracted light to project and kind of shape these images that really seem to have dimension uh, and scale and like, you know, float right, right next to you. And that's the, that's what made it so popular and so iconic. That's what differentiated it from a tribulation trail or a community haunted house. It's the technology. You weren't just seeing sheets hung on a tree or something painted or someone just jumping out at you going, ooh, what you were seeing instead was something that seemed to be actual shimmering figures. They spoke, they sang, they moved, uh, which wasn't just someone in a rubber mask. It was a body, it could be a bodiless head now floating in a crystal ball, right? That's really impressive stuff. Super cool. And just really quickly to backtrack, um, I didn't mean to come off uh, sounding as though uh, the Disney company invented the Pepper's ghost effect. It actually was developed in uh, the early 1800s by John Henry Pepper, uh, and he used it for theater. And then it was often used for like, you know, phony seances and things like that, or, um, you know, theatrical productions. But of course, like everything they did, uh, the Disney uh, Imagineers like fine tuned it and honed the effect uh, and used it in a way that had never been seen before. It was just Mm -hmm. absolutely Stunning. And I have to say that I have been to the uh, the haunted I mansion as well. Um, yeah. yeah, I like so. it. I like it's it. So you have been to a haunted the one haunted house. house. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's not so particularly tame. scary. Yeah, no. it's, it's very, very, very tame, but super fun and uh, and mm-hmm. really you know well executed. Holds up to this day. Yeah, I have nostalgia for it for sure. <laughs> was that Max? 
We're going to count it for you, buddy. We got oh, you, buddy. thanks, man. Yeah, that's a, that, there you go. And so this is the real watershed moment for haunted houses as an industry in the U.S. Uh, the success of Disney's Haunted Mansion spreads across the country. Those JCs I mentioned earlier are now legit famous for their haunted houses, so much so that they eventually create their own how-to-do-a-haunted-house guide for other people. Uh, there's a place called Berry Farm, Knott's Berry Farm, in California that makes its own Halloween evening attractions, and that mm -hmm. turns into this slate of events that goes across multiple weeks during the season. Yeah, they call it Not Scary Farm, actually, during that time. Uh, they, they do it here in Atlanta uh, at Six Flags over Georgia. Um, really, really fun. They have several different haunted houses, and they have this, like, you know, folks in spooky costumes kind of just roaming around the uh, the amusement park. Really, really, really fun. Oh, Renaissance um, Fair has a haunted village that I'm quite excited to go to Is that right? Well. Oh, yeah, it's going to be awesome. That. You still Let's get a turkey out. leg is the thing. You can still get that ginormous turkey leg. Max, you get it. Nice. Is it a spooky turkey leg it is haunted it is it yeah, is a okay. haunted turkey leg it'll certainly haunt you later Did right. they die that's in what i'm alluding to yes yes it's cursed uh also we should mention this is one of my favorites there's a guy named bob burns who was working for a long long time he, he became famous in the late 60s and 70s through the 80s for these incredibly detailed recreations of horror movies as haunted houses. And that's a big draw for people to walk through. I think that one might actually maybe get to me a little bit, if I, depending on what I was walking through. You can see a full list of everything he did. Probably one of, one of the most prominent ones is the Alien recreation he did in 1979 i'm wow. i'm not sure to each your own but it's really impressive you know yeah he, he did one of john carpenter's the thing lots of classic like 1960s horror movies like frankenstein's lab uh the forbidden planet um, creature from the war, war exactly war of the worlds yeah um all that kind of stuff that would have been super cool to check out in, in the la area if i'm not mistaken yeah and then we we saw You'll, you'll see that a person named Itzy Atkins claims that they're one of the first to open a professional interactive haunted house business, which is called Blood Manor over in Maryland in 71. But you know who wasn't a huge fan of this? Evangelical Christians who believed that this was spreading, um, it was popularizing unholy things. And that's where sure. we get the Hell Houses, 1972, Jerry Falwell and Liberty University. And then Haunted house industries are also beginning to move in step with Hollywood's horror industry. Yeah, they're they're, they're a little corny, but I kind of I quite like them. The Netflix, uh, the the movies that made us, I think is what it's called. Um, there's a new series of that that just came out. That's I think ninety percent horror movies. It does Halloween, it does Friday the Thirteenth, and it does Nightmare on Elm Street. And I didn't quite realize that like New Line Cinema was like a super fledgling kind of indie, you know, um, film studio. And sure. they, the, the guy who was the, you know, the, the main backer, I forget his name now, but they talk about this in the little series. Um, he staked everything on Nightmare on Elm Street being a big hit. And of course it was. And, you know, films like that and Halloween, um, which is also a very low budget kind of indie that just, you know, was distributed independently, really got Hollywood to like embrace you know, horror. And, and there's this like yeah. kind of 80s slasher horror boom uh, that created this, you know, super high demand for, you know, s the most splattery haunted houses that you could you could imagine, which people are trying to one up each other with like how much they could handle or like how extreme can we get with our haunted house? Um, right. That is uh, in many ways gone too far to this day. Um, if you know about, we've talked about um, places like uh, McCamey Manor where you have to sign a waiver mm -hmm. um, and yeah. they can definitely touch you. They like put That's you in a, a coffin and not a haunted put, house. It's a freaking sadist uh, house. I, don't know. I, ooh, I talked about this on stuff. They don't want you to know. I'm fairly confident that they're making their money through illegal gambling and having Web people in Vegas, yeah, bet on it. But uh, what McCamey is doing is a crime. I, I completely agree, but it's not if people sign the waivers, I suppose. There's even ones that like, you know, you can you pay to have someone kidnap you, even abduct you and then take you to one of these situations where they like, you know, mercilessly, psychologically torture you for hours and hours and hours. 
But that's really not what we're talking about. You're right. That's something different. It's just kind of, of course, everything tends to end up uh, in the most extreme place eventually. But we've got uh, Larry Kirshner, the president of the Haunted House Association, um, because that became a thing, saying that if you went to a haunted house in the 1980s and 90s, you would have seen a lot of Freddy Krueger, Jason, Pinhead. The haunted house industry really followed the movie industry at that time, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Yeah. And now we see that the the for-profit haunted houses are quickly quickly outpacing the work of non-profit groups like the Junior Chamber JCs. However, this was not all um, a story of a, a rise to fame and prominence because haunted houses had some problems. In New Jersey, a haunted house caught fire, trapping and killing eight teenagers within. And so a lot of these attractions got shut down as a result. Politicians were saying, hey, if we don't ban these things, let's at least get some some stronger safety rules here. Volunteer organizations couldn't deal with the tougher safety rules. So they got forced out of business. And then going back to what Larry Kirchner was saying, uh, the JCs, the reason you don't see a bunch of their haunted houses around today is because they were fairly basic. It was based on the idea that people would volunteer. But then when you have other folks running it as a business, tons and tons of advertising, it's it's hard to, you know, keep your slice of the pie because the whole pie plate is getting more expensive. Oh, yeah. I mean, a lot of these have production level, you know, on par with, you know, what you see in TV and film. But today there is kind of a cool little, you know, cottage industry um, around haunted houses. Um, The number of professional haunted houses uh, over the preceding decades absolutely exploded. And according to uh, our guy Kirshner, um, around 2,700 haunted houses operated across the nation in, I believe, 2013. Um, So I I can only imagine that's, uh, you know, grown from there. Though I would be interested to see how the pandemic affected haunted houses, because it is obviously very close quarters. Um, mm. Certainly some folks might uh, be a little germaphobic about them, and I'm sure that, you know, masks would be required now in places Yeah, like they, they may already feel, a lot of folks already feel like they've lived through a haunted house. So no do they question need about more it. of the same at this point? Like, so you see them expanding now past the typical house. There's a really cool one south of Atlanta, which is set in this, it's outdoors in like this paintball arena kind of thing. And I, I have a friend who runs that. And I, I like going to check that one out. For some reason, I'm more comfortable with the ones outside. And maybe yep. that's that's pre-pandemic. But I, I think that's going to that's gonna be a trend we see as well. Um, there's the ones, you know, like I mentioned earlier, uh, with religious groups who want to find a new creative way to spread their message. There are uh, even like PSA houses now haunted trap houses we saw reports of and they they warn you about the horrors of of real life things like opioid addiction it's funny because the guy in charge of that trade group we mentioned earlier kirchner he himself doubts that the haunted house is going to be around forever he says every business will eventually fail so we just want to last as long as we possibly can and this is this is where uh the smithsonian writer that we mentioned earlier has this wonderful line that i quite love they say a halloween without haunted houses now that's a scary thought that's journalism right there. Uh, man, this guy Kirshner is a real bummer, though. He literally says every business will eventually fail. So we just want to last as long as we possibly can. All right, man. I guess that's a pragmatic way of looking at it, but but kind of a downer. But yeah, just like in the Great Depression, though, uh, we still have these neighborhood, you know, you know, bowl of grapes in the dark kind of situations, uh, which is super cool. Um, it's mm-hmm. a great and honestly, I've certainly seen much more elaborate ones, too, where folks will band together and like build something out like in a big garage or do something maybe involving multiple homes that are that are next to each other, like, um, you know, or, or, or like com- combining the use of, of different yards and things like yeah. that. Yeah. And folks, we know this was a bit of a long one, but we hope you enjoyed going on this journey with us because tis the season, as they say. Uh, I had such a blast with this one. I am oh, man. so glad you guys are back in this haunted house of ridiculous histories. I'm glad to be back, man. <laughs> and, and thanks as always, of course, uh, to our pantheon of fantastic podcast spooksters we're talking about gay bluesier 
We're talking about the one and only Max Williams. We're talking about Alex Williams, who composed her soundtrack. We might even... You know what? It just occurred to me. I bet you, Noel, I bet you that Jonathan Strickland, a.k.a. the Quister, has not only been to a lot of haunted houses, but I bet you he's performed in some. Oh, I have no doubt. I have no doubt. Uh, and he's definitely the type of guy that would grab you by the, the shin, you know? <laughs> <laughs> get a right. get a swift get a swift kick in the bald head for me, my oh, friend. Boy. Think yeah. what the voice he would use. Transatlantic. Yep, transatlantic and uh, sinister uh, quizster laugh would play pretty well in the dark. I, I just would, picture. I just I would picture walk, him going. I would walk in the opposite direction. I just picture him going. The children of the night. Oh, how they scream for me. I want to suck your blood. Nah, nah, see? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, we love you, Jonathan, if you're hearing this. so. But hey, uh, while you're on the internet, which you presumably are, why not check us out on uh, Facebook, where we have a Facebook group. Do you hear that Facebook is rebranding because they've yeah. been taking so much heat lately? Mm-hmm. What do you think it's going to be? I don't think it's going to solve the problems that oh, they've no, created. Oh, it- no. It's literally like a band-aid where it's like, hey, how about instead of like addressing, you know, our role in like, you know, all this proliferation of fake news and all of yeah, that yeah. good stuff that we'll just change our name. Yeah, it well, sounds like doing, a great move. I mean, Facebook and you could argue social media in general is itself a kind of haunted house in function. So they'll, sure they'll probably is. name it what they call a metaverse or it'll re- refer to that somehow. That's what they're really trying to build yeah. right now. And, I saw uh, he's been pushing that. Yeah, yeah. And it's a neat idea, but it would be a neat idea in the right hands is the most diplomatic thing I could say. In the meantime, our little sliver of Facebook is, is perfectly pleasant. Uh, yes. Not controversial at all. Barely any fake news. It's all just a bunch of cool history nerds sharing memes and, and, and having a good old time. So pop on over to Ridiculous Historians on Facebook if you want to be a part of that. You can also follow us not just as a show, but as individuals. Find me on Twitter, where I am at Ben Bullen HSW. Find me on Instagram, where I have, in a burst of creativity, named myself at Ben Bullen, B-O-W-L-I-N. Catch me exclusively on Instagram, where I am at How Now Noel Brown. Uh, I think that does it. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. The following is a high-five moment from HighFiveCasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won! Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing High Five Casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! I won again! I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your High Five moment today? Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash covers your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized, soft and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. For the third year, Olay Body is a proud sponsor of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride and supporter of the LGBTQ plus community. So this pride glow with confidence, not just all month, but all year long. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Diamonds Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com.